The World Tomorrow. Herbert W. Armstrong brings you the plain truth about today's world news and the prophecies of the world tomorrow. Why were humans put here on the earth? How did we come to be here? We're not on Mars. There isn't anybody on Mars. We've had men on the moon, but they didn't stay there very long because when the oxygen they took with them wore out, they would, uh, they would die if they hadn't gotten back to the earth. They had to take air, water, and food from the earth on that whole journey up and back, or they would not have endured. But why were people put on the earth? Was there purpose? to life on the earth, where we put here for a purpose. What about the evils, the unsolvable problems? Where is humanity, or why is it here, and what is the way? Where are we going? Where is humanity going? What is the way, and why is it we've lost our way? Why do we have all of the troubles? Now those are the very basic questions, the most important questions that could come in our lives. Science has no answer. Education can't teach it. All of the doctors of philosophy, all of those with their master's degrees who often make better teachers than PhDs, I know because I've hired a great many, uh, all of the great educators they cannot give the answer. They don't know what man is. They don't know who or what God is. They don't know why we're here. They don't know what the cause of all of our troubles. They don't know the way out. And sometimes I wonder, what do they know? Very, very little, I'm afraid. No religion knows, and no religion has revealed it and is telling the world. And let's get back to this, who and what God is. I've been talking on it in uh, this uh, series of telecast now for some little time. And uh, uh, God is that great spirit, that spirit being who is the creator of all that is. Creation is the proof of God. You ask me, how can I prove that God is? I just show you the creation. Look up the stars at night. Who put them there? How did this earth get here? Where did your life come from? The greatest thing that you know is your own mind. You don't know of anything greater than your own mind, unless it be somebody else's mind that is greater than yours and hath thought out things uh, uh, that you have not been able to think out. But your mind remains greater than anything your mind can design and make and put together. Therefore, your mind had to be created by a greater mind than yours. It could not be something less than your mind who created you and your mind, could it? Take the human body, and the marvelous human body, and all of the different systems and how they work and they coordinate together. Most of them are sort of interrelated. The digestive system, the circulatory system, the, uh, the eliminative system, the... Uh, the nervous system, and all of the various systems in the body. And it's a marvelous thing. Try to think if you could create something, if you could create anything like a human man. 
Now, we see uh, metal things on television every now and then, supposed to be a sort of uh, metal uh, being and talks in a monotone, never changing the voice, it's supposed to talk. Well, of course, it's all an invention. It isn't real. But it doesn't have arms and legs and joints like we do. And it couldn't do like if you have ever watched this little girl from uh, Romania who uh, won in the Olympics. She had to start when she was a very little girl. And uh, she happened to be willing, I guess, to work very hard as her instructors caused her to work hard in developing the skills that she has. Now we're developing American girls that may win in the next Olympic. They're hoping to win. And we have had some meets with foreign uh, girls where the American girls are now even beating them. But some of the things that, uh, uh, for example, that uh, uh, some people can do uh, with their arms and legs and with the human body is just almost incredible. And how, how, uh, how remarkably, uh, synchronized and graceful it is. Now, if you were to start to make something, anything man makes to put joints, you know what an elbow is? It's just a, a hinge. It's a joint. It seems like men like to watch women's knees. I don't know why. It's only a hinge, that's all, in her legs so she can walk. And uh, <laughs> I get to think of those things once in a while. Uh, I think that most people don't think very much. You agree with me? I, I think so. Well, God is the one who created man and put him on the earth. God is the one who created all that is. God is the one who created our son that is... What is it? I don't know, thousands of times larger than our earth. He created some of the stars that are just little twinkling things to us. They're so far away, and yet they are much, much larger than our sun. They're so far away. But God created them all. Now, I have already shown you, too, how God has always existed and uh, from, all, from all eternity. There never was a time when God did not exist and in two persons, not three, not a trinity. But there were two, and you read of it in John in the New Testament. John 1, verse 1, I've read this so many times recently. In the beginning was the Word. Now the Word comes from the Greek word logos. It was written in the Greek language originally. We just have an English translation now. And uh, it means spokesman, or it is the one of the uh, Godhead who did the speaking. Now, uh, I'm going to show you that later he became Jesus Christ, and he said that he spoke whatever the Father told him to speak. But uh, only God was not his Father yet at the time here in John 1, verse 1. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the Word was also God, and God was also God. Now, I've had two sons, and I'm going to mention... Uh, one who is not now living, but who died in harness on the way to baptize people. And uh, we called him Dick. His real name was Richard, Richard David. And uh, I see two people sitting over here that I know remember my son 
Dick very well. And uh, uh, someone might say, well, I uh, saw Richard David. And Richard David was with Armstrong. And Richard David is also Armstrong. Now that doesn't mean we're both the same person. They're two persons, but we're both Armstrong. In other words, that's the family name. Now, God was not the father of Christ until Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. It took me a long time to be absolutely assured of that. I used to wonder. Now, maybe you have wondered. Well, I can assure you. Christ has always existed. And if he had been the Son of God, he would have to have had a father. Now, if we turn over to uh, Hebrews, the seventh chapter in verse three, you read about Christ here that he was without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but was made like unto the Son of God, abiding a priest continually. And that can be no one but Christ, although there is Melchizedek, but if you want to know who is Melchizedek, write for a booklet we have. Who is Melchizedek? And you will find, and it'll come prove to you, that it, uh, it could be no other than Christ. We don't have two high priests that exist continually, competing with one another, uh, and abiding high priests continually. So it is the same, the one and the same person. In Ephesians 3 and verse 9, we read that God created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, back here in John 1, 1, it says that the same, the Word, was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, we get a little farther in verse 14. The Word, the Logos, the spokesman, was made flesh. He was born of the Virgin Mary, and He was human, and called Himself the Son of Man, but He also was the Son of God. He had no human father. God was His Father. And he was born in a way and begotten, uh, the only one who ever was begotten of God prior to human birth. We can be begotten of God, but that's not prior to human birth, but after our human birth and before our second birth when we will be born again. Now, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, now I've already shown you from back in Genesis, the first uh, chapter and the first verse. Let's just go over that once again. It's some of these things you need to have fresh on your mind. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created. Now, in the beginning God. The word for God there is uh, in our language an English word, but it's translated from the word that Moses wrote when he wrote the word Elohim. That is a Hebrew name or word. And Elohim, the I am on the end, pluralizes it just like uh, you take uh, a boy and put an S on the end of it. Boys means more than one boy. And uh, I am on the end of a word in the Hebrew uh, language. It makes it more than one. It pluralizes it. God then, it's like the word family or like the word church or like the word team, or group, or whatever. It is more than one person making one group, more than one person making one family. 
There's only one church, but many members, as you read in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now, in the beginning, God, and that includes God and the Word, and nobody else. At that time, there were no others in the Godhead but those two, not three, not a trinity, uh, created the heavens, it should be plural, heavens, and the earth. Now then, uh, as I say, it is a uniplural. And we come down to verse 26 in this first chapter of Genesis, and uh, God said, he didn't say, let me do something, he said, let us because it was the, the Word and God together. Elohim is a uniplural that includes more than one person, but only one God. There can be more than one person in a family. Now, it can be the Jones family, the Smith family, or the Anderson family, or whatever. But uh, it's only the one family, even though there may be two or five or eight in the family. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. He didn't say, let me. It's more than one. Now, all the way through, and I, I think I explained that in a recent program, uh, all the way through the first chapter uh, of Genesis, uh, the word God always appears as Elohim. Uh, there were many Hebrew words or names for God. One was Yahweh Rapha which means God our healer, or our God healer, uh, shows God in his healing capacity. But we come to the second chapter of Genesis in verse 4, and for the first time, another name appears in the Hebrew language. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the, it says Lord God in the King James Version, now, if you have a Moffat translation, it'll say the eternal God. And if you have a Fenton translation, it will say the ever-living God. Actually, uh, the Hebrew word there was Y-H-W-H. Now, in the Hebrew language, they only spelled out the consonants. The vowels were added in pronouncing. Uh, so we, uh, uh, I think nobody is absolutely sure. But everybody seems to assume, and all of the so-called experts assume, that it is Yahweh. Uh, and how they pronounce it, we don't even know. The thing is, there is no one word or name in the English language that exactly corresponds to it and that uh, uh, translates it. Uh, it means the self-existent one. The one who is ever living, who has existed and lived for, uh, from eternity and will till eternity without father, mother, or descent. The, uh, it also means uh, the creator, and it means uh, the great ruler, and uh, it, just, it simply means all of those things. Now, there's no one word in the English language that will do it. The Moffat translation seems to think that the closest... Uh, to use one word would be eternal, and that's what I prefer, and I nearly always say eternal. So I would read this. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the eternal God. Now, the word for God here uh, is Elohim again, and but the Lord, where it's spelled in capital letters in your King James uh, translation of the Bible, which most people use, uh, simply means that it came 
from the Hebrew word Yahweh. That was the personal God of Israel. In other words, that is the one that was called the Word in uh, John 1 verse 1, that was with God and had been for eternity. And he was a spokesman. So wherever you find God speaking, now from here on it is the Yahweh Elohim. In the day that the Lord God, the eternal God, made the earth and the heavens. And the eternal God, which means the one who became Christ. But he was not Christ yet at the time. Is speaking of here in Genesis uh, 2 and verse 7. The eternal God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I breathe air just like animals do into my lungs and out through the nostrils. And man, made of the dust of the ground, became a living soul. A soul is what came from the ground, and therefore a soul is not spirit, it is matter. And God said to the first soul, Adam, he said, in the day that you take the, the forbidden fruit, you shall surely die. You are mortal and you can die. You're not an immortal soul. Twice the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now that's one of the first things that I ran across that showed me how my Sunday school teaching had uh, been just the opposite of what the Bible teaches. Now Jesus came and was born, the Virgin Mary, the one who is called the Yahweh or uh, the Lord in the Old Testament. He was the God of the Old Testament. And he is the one who became Jesus Christ. Now, there are many, many uh, scriptures quoted in the New Testament, quoted from the Old, speaking of God, but in the New it shows it was speaking of Christ. So that it proves, absolutely proves, that uh, uh, the God of the Old Testament is the one who became Christ, not the Father. I think I mentioned recently that I had an aunt... Uh, <laughs> And if I believed in souls going to heaven, I would say, God bless her soul, because uh, she's not living any longer. But she was a social climber and, and uh, joined the church that uh, she thought is in the highest society. She said, I, uh, I just have, can't stand that God of the Old Testament. He was a cruel, stern, cruel God. Well, you know what I read about the God of the Old Testament? That he is a God full of mercy. And his mercy is greater toward us uh, than the heavens are high above the earth. And uh, it pities us like a father with his own children. A God of such great love and mercy. That's what I find in the God of the Old Testament. She just never had read it. And uh, she had been told that the Old Testament just Old Testament stuff and we mustn't look at it. But you see, Paul told Timothy that the scriptures that he had known from a child. The only scriptures Timothy had known from a child were the Old Testament scriptures. And Paul said, that are able to make thee wise unto salvation, which is in Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation, which is in Jesus Christ. And then again, Paul said to the Corinthians that the things written in the Old Testament were examples for our admonitions on whom the ends of the world are come. And they're written for us in the New Testament. And you know that the church is founded on the very basis, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. 
Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. You know, there were almost no prophets in the New Testament. Did you know that? Well, you go look it up in the concordance and see how many you can find. There's one prophetess and one prophet. And their whole, their, 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 their whole job uh, was to uh, receive a message direct from God and take it to the apostle. But they didn't go to the people. They didn't preach. They didn't say anything to the people. Now, it's true that in New Testament language, uh, prophesy always means not just to foretell, but sometimes it means uh, preaching under inspiration. It doesn't mean just quietly talking. It means preaching with real uh, fire and with uh, full earnestness and power, with your whole heart in it. Uh, it sometimes means that. But uh, you see... Much of the New Testament is just the Old Testament scriptures quoted, quoted verbatim in the New Testament. And uh, those things were written for our admonition. So the church is based on the foundation of the prophets of the Old Testament, as well as the prophets of the New. I mean, the apostles of the New. And uh, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father. The people of the Old Testament time had never heard about God, the Father, that Jesus prayed to in heaven. They knew the God who was the Word, the Word who spoke through them. It was Yahweh who spoke to Moses. It is from this time on, beginning with verse 4 of Genesis 2, you will find that nearly all the way through the Old Testament, uh, the word Lord is coming from the word Yahweh, and, uh, uh, and sometimes pronounced Yahweh. Uh, sometimes the W in German would be pronounced as a V. Uh, anyway, um, uh, they did not know of but one person, and they thought that God was one person only. Now that one person that they knew was the one who became Jesus Christ. And one of the things Christ came for was to reveal the Father. And they had not known that there was a, a, a God the Father that uh, was the Father of Christ and uh, that uh, Christ was the only begotten of the Father as he was begotten to be born of the Virgin Mary. Um, anyway, Christ came to reveal the Father. Now, humans were created in the image of God God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Man was made in the image of that form and shape of God. But in uh, the second chapter, in verse 7, which I read a moment ago, uh, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now God is composed of spirit, but he formed man of matter. So we're not composed of spirit like God. God creates in the... Uh, uh, system of duality. He doesn't create everything just all at once. There are two stages, always. The creation of man. It began with a physical man in Adam. Then there's the spiritual creation of man, and that begins in Christ. Adam was a physical man. Christ was the spiritual man from heaven. And uh, uh, everything that God creates is done in a dual manner. I've explained how God uh, did not create angels complete all at once. 
He could not create character in them all at once. And that's what he can't do in man. And the spiritual creation is the installation of the godly, holy, righteous character within us that, of course, we have to make the decision. We have to be willing. We have to hunger and thirst for it. But it comes from God. It's not our righteousness. Our righteousness are just like a lot of filthy rags to God. But it, it is the very righteousness of God which... By his Holy Spirit, he gives or puts into us. Now, uh, humans were created in the form and shape of God and with one spirit in them, which needs another spirit to go with it and needs the Holy Spirit. And the one spirit we have gives us uh, uh, physical and material knowledge. Uh, only the knowledge that can come through the eyes, through the ears, through the nose, the mouth, or the sense of feel and touch. And you cannot know naturally anything else except just what you know through those five senses. Now, uh, you can't know the things of God and the things that God has prepared for us. Uh, and, and that's why so much of the Bible that is spiritual knowledge is just like so much foolishness. For more information, please visit our website at www.coglittleflock.com.